You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This week's edition of the Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek on my phone. I've used it several times in the last year. I used it when Yogi Ferrell was playing for the Mavericks and went to see a couple of games. Used it to buy my wife tickets to a concert, so I can personally vouch for it. I use it. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats to any event that I want to go to. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 62nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 381st episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, February 1st, 2018. I'm your host, Jared Morris, and let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for this week's, this week's banner moment, I'm going to take you back to the Purdue game uh, on Sunday, midway through the second half, when Indiana took a 53-48 to lead on Al Durham's and one. And you know when you think about that game and the expectations coming in to be there midway through the second half, leading by five against a team of, of Purdue's caliber this season, and given the struggles that Indiana has had, I think all of us would have taken that. And obviously the rest of that game, even the next you know minute didn't go quite how Indiana would have won it as Purdue quickly scored five points, tied it up, and they, of course, would go on to win that game by executing late. But I thought Indiana showed something, and, and, and certain players certainly so, showed something by being ready to compete in that game and playing well. And this program clearly needs to get to a point where we're not happy just competing against Purdue. That obviously is a sign of really how down the program is right now. So in a macro sense, there's nothing to be proud of, nothing to be happy about or celebrate. But in a micro sense, I thought the team showed some grit and showed some fight and showed some of the growth in key areas that are important. And I thought a guy like Al Durham in particular 
while he didn't do a ton in that game, I thought that play in particular, his drive and ability to score through contact, was indicative of a positive that he has shown this year. And as we progress forward now through this season, with postseason play seeming so unlikely for this team, the development of young players and them really showing what they can do and and developing their skills is going to be so important. And if you saw the article that I posted on our blog about five plays that have really been working for Indiana, people might be surprised that Al Durham actually, as a ball handler in pick and rolls, and Al Durham near the basket have been two of Indiana's most efficient offensive plays. Indiana scoring 1.25 points per possession uh, when Al Durham leads uh, is the ball handler in the pick and roll. 1.438 points possession when he has the ball around the basket, both in the 90th percentiles. And so while Al continues to struggle as a shooter, obviously his ability to, to drive and be effective around the basket is uh, is a good sign for his ability moving forward. And so I thought that play, uh, on a week that didn't give Indiana fans much to celebrate, that was one moment that at least stuck out uh, as something good on the court that we can point to as things to build on moving forward. All right, let me introduce now my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, we have one of the world's most respected bracketologists, and you can find his brackets this year over on InsideTheHall.com. And he is also the longtime president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the past week in Indiana basketball? You know, I think with all these games in in quick succession here, I, I think it's been a good uh, it's been a good synopsis of the flaws of this team and the ways that they've improved. Which sounds like kind of a weird thing to say as you really look at them all together. But uh, you know, in the end, I think if you want to, if you're a glass half full person, as Jared, we know you are, you can you can look at this easily and and you know look at how much the defense has improved and and look at the things this team has gotten better with um, for even from just a year ago. You know, turnovers, while not great in the second half of the Purdue game, still only 10. Um, and, and more games than not, those things have been positive and the defense has improved and, and all those kinds of things. And then on the flip side, you look at the flaws that we bring up over and over. The team just can't shoot the ball very well or hasn't shot the ball well in games, I guess maybe is a better way to say it, um, whether that be from three-point range or from the free-throw line. And, uh, you know, some of those kinds of issues just continue to crop up and and the flaws just from a roster standpoint and depth and size and uh, a, a true point guard and all those kinds of things are all, you know, on display. And I think that all kind of nets out to a, a weird place where you can kind of take the season however you want to uh, at this point. And I do think, the one thing that I kind of look for going down the stretch is, you know, once you get past the hurdle of this Michigan State game uh, on Saturday, you know, there are some winnable games there. And I think maybe those are better tests for just how much things have improved than than certainly the last couple games have been against, you know, two of the top team, the two top teams in the league, uh, you know, and then Michigan State again coming up. So. I think I kind of set my sights on, you know, those final, I guess it's six games after the the Michigan State game and really, you know, look forward to those to try to maybe make a, a, a more realistic assessment uh, on how things have really progressed. And so I think we're all trying to, in large part, stay positive and, and focus on the improvements that have been made while uh, trying not to get bogged too much in the bogged down too much in the struggles that this team obviously has and the things that are going to continue for these last seven games and however many games they play in the Big Ten tournament and games after that. Um, you know, those probably aren't going to go away at this point. And so, you know, it's all just a matter of your perspective and, and what you want to focus in on. 
And to my right, we have a man who, after seeing Indiana honor Victor Oladipo, is now holding out hope that when we are all in attendance for the February 23rd game against Ohio State, that Indiana will honor him pregame with a framed copy of his IDS story on the Marco Killingsworth-Duke game and let him say a few inspirational words to the fans. He's a columnist for the big lead, and he is a man who hemmed and hawed but finally decided to use all $5 million of his assembly call earnings to purchase a 30-second Super Bowl ad imploring Archie Miller to finally consider him for the position of IU basketball shot doctor. His slogan, which he wrote himself but has not yet tested with any focus groups, is, with a coach this hot, you'll make all your shots. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant from the past week in Indiana basketball? How long do you spend writing these? I got to know. It's got to be like <laughs> half the prep time for the show is spent writing those. Uh, yes, I am upset that Indiana never honored me at half court with anything. Um, you know, I think that you lose games to, to good teams and it doesn't feel good. You don't you don't come away saying, oh, you know, uh, hey, that was great. Um, but I think that we did see some improvement in the, in the Purdue game. And you saw that what this team could be when it adds talent at key spots. And, and look, the shooting is an issue and it's not going to, as Andy said, it's not going to go away. Um, they need, um, they need a three point shooter. They need a couple three point shooters. They need guys to make their free throws. I mean, those simple things need to be fixed and, and you hope that next year it will be. And I think it's something that it's a real question for Archie and his coaching staff. What are they going to do to improve that? And I'd love to see a, a reporter ask that question to post game press conference. Like, what is your plan for next year to make sure these issues aren't here? Is it a coaching thing? Is it guys on their own, you know, going and just working and getting in the gym? Or is it something where the coaching staff needs to set up certain drills and work with each individual player on a shot, all that stuff, because it's, it's a glaring issue. I mean, it really is. And it's holding this team back from, from continuing to develop. I mean, if you're shooting, you know, below 60% from the free throw line in a game, you're going to lose that game almost every time because those are free points you're giving up. And there's no one that's reliable right now in that situation. And then as far as three point shooting, I mean, look for a team that plays in the paint as much as this one does, you've got to have guys you can kick it out to because the defense is just going to suck right down into that post area and, and, dare you to shoot threes until you can make them and and right now that's a big issue for indiana it was nice to see Devonte green hit a few the other night against ohio state but one guy hitting shots is not going to change things for indiana so i think this is uh this is something that that archie really needs to get pressed on and if he doesn't have anything in his back pocket to fix these woes he needs to maybe consider changing things and 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 you know maybe and i don't think he's a guy who's super stuck in his way so i think he'd be willing to do that and especially a guy who's a numbers guy you'd want him to sort of look at the situation and you know maybe go get some advice from somebody to change that to fix that um because it's it's certainly necessary and this team needs that moving forward Yep. All right. Well, here's what we're going to discuss this week. Less rehashing of the Ohio State game and previewing Michigan State because we obviously did that on the Ohio State postgame show and we previewed Michigan State a couple of weeks ago. We're going to do a little bit more kind of spitballing fun topics that you all sent us and you sent us some good ones. Uh, the first one is actually a little bit frustrating. It's this debate about Archie Holtman or Archie Holtman, Chris Holtman and Archie Miller and why Holtman is seeming to have an easier transition. And we've addressed it before, Ryan. I know you've addressed it a lot, but we keep getting this question. So Andy's got uh, some some points to make on that here coming up. We're also going to debate whether this roster is just a bad roster or an underperforming roster. What 
is the better explanation for why this team is struggling uh, and many other topics, including some thoughts on Zach McRoberts getting a scholarship uh, and why Tom Crean can catch so much flack for his coaching but be so universally lauded as an analyst. Uh, all of that and more coming up here on the Assembly Call, on Assembly Call Radio. And now for this quick reminder, the next time that you're looking for tickets to a sporting event or a concert, remember our friends at SeatGeek. You can download their app, which is incredibly convenient and easy to use. Or if you just want an easy-to-remember URL that will take you directly to the IU Basketball Ticket listings on SeatGeek's website, here it is, iutickets.shop. For example, if you want tickets to any of Indiana's remaining Big Ten games or the Big Ten tournament, and not just Indiana home games, but road games as well, they have them all there at that URL, iutickets.shop. So use it and check out all the latest deals at SeatGeek. And if it's your first time using SeatGeek, then don't forget the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Use it when you make your first purchase, and you will get $20 back after that purchase. Again, the promo code is ASSEMBLY. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. And Andy, let's talk about this. We got a couple emails on this. You know, Ohio State struggled last year. They fired their coach in the preseason. You know, they're picked to finish 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th in the Big Ten. No one really expected much out of them. And here they are with one loss in Big Ten play, sitting in second place. Obviously, they just, you know, destroyed us in their home building. And Indiana obviously hasn't ascended as quickly under Archie Miller. So people look at this and they say, wow, Ohio State made this great hire with Chris Holtman. He's a home run. Archie Miller looks like there's some growth, but I don't really know. The first thing to mention here is it is way, way too early to make any you know, big-time judgments about either coach. There's just not a big enough sample. We haven't seen them go through, you know, their own recruiting classes, all of that stuff. Just look what the struggles Greg Gard is having now as he, you know, it, the, the program is, is having more of his fingerprint on it. So it's too early to judge, but people are judging. So perhaps you can give us some insight on why there are some real fundamental differences between the situation Holtman inherited and the situation Archie inherited that make the comparison, while understandable, a little bit unfair. Yeah, it's well, just to circle back for a second after you said we weren't going to rehash some of these these games and had some other good topics to hit. It's funny because my wife asked tonight we were eating dinner. She's like, with all these games, aren't you guys getting kind of tired of like, how do you keep saying like, how do you find new things to say? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so this at least gives us a good chance to do that. So, um, you know, I, I brought up a few things to we had a, a listener, um, Heather, who who wrote in. And kind of asked this question. So I at least had a chance to sit down and, and think about it a little bit. So here's here's kind of the way that I went. And you guys feel free to jump jump in if you, if you disagree with anything. You know, so one, I, I kind of titled addition by subtraction. So Ohio State didn't return a lot of scholarship guys. That was, you know, kind of the big storyline with them in the offseason was how few scholarship guys they actually had coming back. But, um, you know, I think some of the guys they lost, I think it truly was addition by subtraction. subtraction. I mean, the next person who says something good about Jaquan Lyle as a you know, as a person, as an influence, as a as a leader, will be the first. And so, I think certainly losing him was was a big deal. I think he never really bought into what Fed Mata wanted to do. Uh, and I think to a lesser extent, guys like Trevor Thompson, who put his name in the NBA draft, really proceeded to not get drafted. And then, you know, Mark Loving, who kind of had a, you know, just a, an odd career there. Uh, I thought, you know, th- those kinds of things to me, um, you know, kind of point a little bit in, in that regard. Um, you know, system continuity. I think we touched on this on a. A radio show at some point in the in the past but i think while holtman and and mata don't play the exact same way i think there's a lot more similarity there than there is when you 
when you go from from what Crean wanted to do versus what Archie wants to do. It's not a commentary on which one's right or wrong. It's more just a commentary on, um, you know, we talk about you know breaking bad habits, all those kinds of things that that IU struggles with. Um, it's been a little bit less of an issue at Ohio State, I would say, and and I think for IU, you know, in a lot of ways, it's been kind of a a, a night and day, you know, shift in focus on the things that are really, um, you know, kind of core beliefs, values, strategies, whatever you whatever you want to say. Um, the other roster wise, you know, they both have some, some experienced guys. I think, you know, IU obviously everybody comes in, you got five seniors, you've got, you know, Juwan Morgan, who's played a decent amount, but I, you know, the, the fact is these guys haven't played together nearly as much as you would normally expect for, you know, you think back to, you know, some of the older IU teams and you had seniors, I mean, they had played together a ton. Um, you know, Robert Johnson has obviously played a lot in his four years Newkirk transferred in so practiced with him for a year this is really just his second year playing and second coach in those years Hartman's been in and out with, with injuries throughout his career and obviously this year no different Freddie McSwain comes in from junior college is kind of like a raw guy didn't play a ton last year has been asked to play more and has played better um, you know of late so yeah and then Priller really hasn't played hardly at all so you know even though you've got those you know quote-unquote experienced guys to, to me it's not quite the same um, you know, Ohio State, Tate and, and Bates Diop are both top 70 guys of the guys who are actually active for IU right now. So take Deron Davis out of the mix. I think Robert Johnson might be the only top 100 guy. Um, Morgan and, you know, was right again, on the cusp. Yeah, I think he was right there. And in a piece Zach Osterman wrote today, he had kind of the recruiting rankings laid out. So, um, but but he's certainly the only guy that would be inside of that top 70. So we'll say it, we'll say it that way. Deron Davis would be as well. He's obviously not playing. Uh, Cam Williams has played a lot over the course of his career. And um, I think. You know, I think you throw in Andrew Dockage. They've talked about him from a leadership perspective. Um, everybody's probably rolling their eyes as I say that, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I think they've got a pretty good core from a, a leadership standpoint. You know, Bates Diop missed a lot of time and, and had been injured. But um, while a quiet guy, you know, kind of does the right thing. So I think, you know, those kinds of things to me uh, are the differences. And, you know, the fourth thing I kind of put kind of as a joke, but it's kind of true. I mean, they're shooting they're actually making shots from three point range in the free throw line, which obviously helps and something we've lamented a lot about IU. So uh, you know, those to me are the things it is not to take anything away from what Holtman has done. He's been fantastic and should absolutely be in the coach of the year discussion, not only in the league, but in the, in the country. Yeah. But I don't think the difference in their performance is necessarily an indictment of Archie Miller uh, at the same time. Here's my, every single situation is different. You cannot compare one coach's situation to another. It's completely different. And, and I think that in Archie's defense, he is playing with players who are, as you mentioned, are fits to a system that is completely opposite of his. And Mata and Holtman both come from that sort of Butler way system where, I mean, they're not, you're, they're not identical, but the things that are important are pretty much the same. And, and, you know, so he had players who fit what he wanted to do. I don't think you can really indict Archie Miller for not having a quick turnaround, uh, especially given the roster limitations that he has. I think a more fair comparison would be Brad Underwood at Illinois to what Archie's doing because he's completely changing the way they play with players who don't necessarily fit. Well, <clears throat> that's a good segue. Coming up on the assembly call, we discuss and potentially debate whether Indiana struggles this season are more attributable to a bad roster or an underperforming roster. That's next. Stick with us.
Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms and brian phillips don't forget that if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of assembly call radio there are two great ways that you can catch up you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts just search for assembly call or you can join our live thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our youtube channel at youtube.com assembly call all right, so we got this question uh, from Jared, who's in our Slack community, uh, not me, another Jared. Uh, he said, based on what you've seen this season, do you see a roster that is underperforming or just a bad roster? I'm wondering if this is a bad roster for a good coach or a coach that is struggling to get the most out of this roster. And we're going to take that in a general sense, but he also kind of asked specifically what the perspective of future recruits might be, you know, and, and if they might think about that and if that might impact them, you know, maybe kind of explaining away, uh, you know, perhaps some of the struggles Archie has had in that way. Um, so keep that in mind as well. And Ryan, I want to kick this to you first, but I think it's important to lay out this parameter. I think we can all agree that it's not a great roster. And if you want some reasons for why the roster is where it is, Zach Osterman wrote a great piece for the Indianapolis Star. It was perfectly timed, given our topic tonight, where he lays out Indiana's recruiting classes since 2013. And, you know, the lack of a point guard and the struggles with shooting and why there's so, you know, has been such little post depth. Uh, And it obviously shows the successes, too, but some of the failures in roster construction that have happened. And to be fair to Tom Crean, some of the unexpected departures to the NBA uh, that have happened. Um, But I think also there have been guys, you know, this season that have underperformed expectations. I mean, you know, a guy like Curtis Jones was a, you know, a high recruit that was expected to play well, and he played poorly and ended up transferring. So, I mean, there's a combination of both. But to make this interesting, you got to pick one that you think explains it more. So, Ryan, for you, when you think about the struggles of this year's team, is it more because it's a bad roster or is it more because it's an underperforming roster? Uh, what I would say about it, and I would categorize it as a bad roster because I don't think the pieces fit well together. Uh, so I would say a bad roster because I'm, I'm not saying it's bad players necessarily. It's just guys who don't fit together, I don't think. I mean, if Zach McRoberts could shoot, uh, you might have a better team. If Colin Hartman could ever stay healthy, you might have a better team. If Josh Newkirk could drive and finish at the rim with consistency, you might have a better team. If uh, Devontae Green could get through a whole game without making boneheaded plays, you might have a better team. I mean, so I think that the pieces are there for another team, you know, to like could add to other teams, but they don't fit well together. And it feels like they're, you know, it's just guys who are just slammed together that have no continuity. And that's part of that is, 
you know, a few misses on the recruiting trail. Part of that is guys not developing the way they should have. Part of it is, you know, an old system where, I mean, let's face it, if this team were running Tom Crean's system, they might be worse than they are with Archie Miller because they can't shoot. And his system was completely based on outside shooting and spreading the floor. And um, so I would say that I, I think it's just a lot of weird pieces where guys have not gotten better. I mean, look, a guy like Robert Johnson, and you want to talk about underperforming, a guy like Robert Johnson has been playing pretty well of late. I mean, better of late, um, but he's still not shooting at the rate he should be, you know? And and we des- when, for a team that desperately needs shooting, he needs to be better. And, um, you know, and other guys, again, just not developing and not ra- rising to the level that they should. And um, so I think it's a combination of the two, as you said, but I think if I had to say it, it's a bad roster because I don't, pieces fit well together and I think that that there's going to be a lot of shuffling in the offseason uh, especially with a bunch of new recruits coming in fitting in some roles that might be more traditional for what Archie's looking for and um, I don't know if guys are going to leave or or what I mean we don't speculate about that on here but you're going to have a lot of seniors going and then you're going to have you know younger guys who are going to more fit what Archie wants to do so we don't know what's going to happen but at the same time I mean you look at this roster and it just does not look like these guys all play the same way and with the same goals the same time yeah I, I agree with you on the bad roster part you know you look at the, the glaring lack of a true point guard as you mentioned the lack of shooters you know lack of post depth and obviously that was hurt by Davis getting hurt but the other thing is parts of the roster are underperforming but there are actually parts of the roster that are performing above expectations that are keeping Indiana afloat I don't think anybody expected uh, you know Jawan Morgan to be quite this good and quite this capable of carrying the team I did. on his shoulders did you really expect him to be this good though like no, this, I mean, not 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 to the level he's been playing. Yeah, the last year. that's what no, I mean. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I, I did expect him to have a big year if he stayed healthy. And yes. I think we all expected this kind of development from him last year if he had stayed healthy. Yes. But he did. You know, so I think that that's why I said that at the beginning of the year, too, is that I thought that he would have exploded last year, but he just didn't stay healthy. And so this is, you know, sort of his his time to to shine i guess yeah and you know and you've got guys like zach mcroberts that are playing above expectations freddie mcswain despite struggles i think has played above expectations given the contributions that he's made so i think there are players who are playing above expectations so that's why to me it's more bad roster than underperforming roster andy where do you side on this is there even going to be a reason for debate or do you kind of agree with us no i i would say i i would say i agree with you guys it's you know, I think the difficulty is, and even some of the expectations when you, you start to look at that, I think the expectations have had to change a lot for some of these guys. I mean, the expectations of this year of what you probably thought you needed to get from Justin Smith changed a ton with Colin Hartman and Jerron Davis being injured as much as they have. And, um, you know, the the expectations for a guy like Al Durham, I think, changed a lot at the beginning of the season, partly because he played well and partly because it became clear that there really wasn't a, a clear-cut answer at the point guard position. And I think that's where, when you really look at the roster construction, I mean, those are the things that really stick out. I mean, since since Yogi has been gone, obviously you're not expecting somebody to come in and do that. But, you know, for two straight years, point guard, a guy that you can really rely on as it became you know clear in the Illinois game, you know, that hasn't really gotten any better. And, and um, I think some of those kinds of things, I think the shooting – while some of that is, is a little bit hard to predict and, and certainly guys this year have not shot as well as they have over the course of their careers. It, it just seems as Ryan said, like a really odd roster. If you, if you try to, to transfer them into a Korean system, I just struggle to understand how they'd be successful 
uh, in that as well. So in that regard, it even seemed like a weird lineup, even if a coaching change wasn't made, because the reality is that, you know, Tom Crean coming back or not, you know, not coming back didn't really impact Bryant and Ananobi's decisions to go to the pros. I wouldn't say, I think both of those had been, you know, discussed for a while. So to me, that wasn't a factor there. So this is, I mean, truly the exact roster that would have been here had Crean been there. And you just struggled to figure out on a team that was predicated on offense and shooting the ball well, how how this team would have been able to to flourish in that kind of system. So to me, that that points to the roster and it would have, I would have answered the question the same way, no matter who was the coach, quite frankly. Then you layer on the fact that they don't necessarily fit well into what Archie wants to do. Uh, I think it just exaggerates the issue. Yeah. All right, so we're all in agreement, so we don't need to have a debate. <laughs> You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. How often does with, that happen, by the way? <laughs> Here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, Jim Could from have tried our... to pull a Skip Bayless and just try to take the other <laughs> the other point there, but I just, I just my heart just wasn't no, there. I, I know. So Jim from our Slack channel, he's wondering how hopeful we are about the shooting improving next year with or without Romeo. Obviously, Romeo, who scored 63 points on the night that we, uh, that we recorded this, he would help Indiana shooting tremendously. Uh, we know that. So uh, remove him from the equation. You know, you've got guys, obviously, like Devontae Green coming back, Al Durham coming back, who have been you know, inconsistent at best from three-point range. Devontae had a nice percentage as a freshman, but you know, we've seen him be quite inconsistent this year. Uh, you look at some of the new guys coming in. Demise Anderson is a really, really good shooter. Effortless is the way that his coach described him. You know, Robert Finnessy can shoot, but I don't think he's you know on a yogi level, for example. And Jerome Hunter, another guy that I think sometimes people forget when it comes to shooting, he's a terrific outside shooter for a guy with you know kind of his size and versatility. Now, if that'll be able to translate to the college game as a freshman, we'll have to see. Sometimes for guys, it takes them a year or two, uh, you know, to, to kind of translate and be comfortable, you know, shooting in a new offense against you know players more their size and skill level uh but ryan you know you kind of talked about this a little bit in your opening statement about what's the plan here to improve this shooting what are you thinking just in terms of what you know about the incoming recruits and what you expect from the guys coming back for this team to become a better shooting team next year because it has been such a glaring weakness this season yeah and and i think the reporters who were in there with archie you know after every game or practice or whatever, need to ask him about it. And need to ask him what he plans to do and, and what. Um, besides you hire know, you. What'd you say? I said besides hire you. Right, of course, of course. No, um, but I mean, he he needs to to come up with something. And, and if, if it's not, you know, something he's got in his bag of tricks, he needs to go out and hire somebody who can do it. You know, I mean, we saw Tim Buckley for years be a shot doctor. Is there another guy out there who can do that for you and make these guys better shooters? Are there drills that maybe they used to do under Tom Crean that he could bring to the table? Um, you know, it needs to be a focus. And, and I realize that, you know, his focus is defense and, and running offense that gets you points in the paint, but you got to be able to shoot at the next level, you know, to get your team to the next level out of this. And, and I think that it needs to be the guys who are coming back need to get better. And I like the incoming guys are, are good. There are a couple of really nice shooters in there, but they still need to improve, um, you know, from, from here to the next level. And, and uh, I just think that uh, it, it's something that needs to be a focus of the off season for these guys. And, and I, I do have, knowing what I know about Archie and what we all know about Archie, I think that he's a guy who is a problem solver and he's going to work on something to try and solve that problem. Yeah. Well, and, and let me add this too, you know, also maybe this is kind of a one year aberration, you know, with some guys not quite used to the new system, getting shots they're not used to because while Archie's free throw shooting percentages at Dayton weren't great, 
he but did have he teams. He he did have teams that shot well from three point range. I mean, his last team was in the top forty. Uh, he had you know another team that was in the top twenty. So he did field some teams, and none of them were below just at least average in terms of three point shooting. So that hasn't been as historically a problem for Archie Miller coach teams as the free throws. Um, and again, I, you know, I don't I've not, haven't done Ken Pomeroy style analysis on how much the coach influences that, but just from the sample size of Archie at Dayton, I just wanted to give that context. Andy, I know you had something you wanted to add. Yeah, the only thing I would add is a guy who I think could really be key to that is Zach McRoberts. Um, you know, some of the – I think it was on Archie's radio show tonight. talked about he's going to graduate this year but intends to, you know, come back and play next year. So, you know, shoot it for there. a guy who's shown some ability to shoot the ball recently, um, just get him in the gym and have him keep working at it. I mean, I, I kind of liken it to – you know, he's known for his defense. I look back at Dane Fife stats in his senior year. He shot 47% from three. Obviously, he was really good defensively. So, you know, can Zach somehow transform himself into, you know, 47% might be a high bar. Um, but when you think about how Fife shot the ball in his first few years at IU, I mean, no, who would have really expected that either? So it's not I think a that's a terrible comparison for Zach McRoberts. I hadn't thought about that, yeah. but that's it's not bad. Why, Poor why man's Dane Fife. Maybe someday he'll get passed over for being the Indiana coach. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that was a wow. shot across the bow. And 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 oh upset my. a very small portion of the fan base to no end. Oh my. They'll end up in my email at, at inbox yelling at me about why I'm not defending Dane Fife as the head coach. Okay. Sorry, that was just all funny. right. Wait, was my wow. mic? On? I did not expect the show to take that turn right there. I didn't okay, know my mic was on. I'm sorry, I was talking to myself. Wow, that was yeah, that was something. So anyway, uh, you know, but I think that would be interesting. I mean, if he can become that, like, I mean, he's already kind of the defense guy. If he can become the, you know, kind of like three and D guy, I mean, I think that could be. That could be interesting, and he's a guy that I don't think people will look at for offense. But if he come out and hit, you know, you know, routinely knock down two threes, three threes a game, I think that could be that could be really big because it's a guy who's probably going to continue to earn minutes at least in the short term as the freshmen get up to speed. Um, so I think he and you know Demizi probably have the the maybe the best chances to uh, influence that number. Yeah. All right, and Andy, let's hit this question from the wonderfully named Hank Hill on Acid on Twitter. <laughs> Wonders, what are realistic expectations Seek for, <laughs> <Seek help>. for <laughs> IU fans under the assumption that they don't land Romeo? And, and you know, you kind of went through and did, uh, and, and well, and he mentions things seem to be wide open in the Big Ten next season. You're not necessarily so sure that everything is quite that wide open in the Big Ten. Um, what does the Big Ten kind of look like, and how do you think Indiana might stack up way, way, way too early, but just as you look at it right now? Yeah, I kind of looked at the the top handful of teams and, and those that had maybe, you know, projected recruiting classes in the top half based on, like, the, the 24-7 sports uh, ranking. So, you know, I think the obvious one that's, that should take a step back is Purdue, you know, given the seniors that they lose, they don't really have a, a, a strong recruiting class coming in. So I think without question, they'll take a step back. Carson Edwards, I would presume will still be there and, uh, is, is a really good player, but you know, they're going to be really counting on some other guys to, to step into much more prominent roles than they have Michigan state, you know, it seems reasonable to expect they'd lose miles bridges and Jaron Jackson. Um, they've got, looks like three, four stars and two, three stars coming in. Obviously there's a whole lot of variables in that situation right now, but I don't think from a talent perspective, you know, I don't know that ward Winston Langford, all leave and, and I think they have fewer seniors than people probably would expect them to. Uh Ohio State loses Tate, Cam Williams, Bates Diop, I think has took a medical red shirt, so I think he could come back depending on what he wants to do. They've got, you know, kind of the same thing, two four stars, two three stars. They should, you know, again, I think Holtman's gonna build something there. That there's not gonna be a huge, huge drop off. Um Michigan, I, it's it's really hard to say. They lose Abdul Rahman, they lose Duncan Robinson. Wagner kind of looked at the the NBA last year. 
Charles Matthews played well. Does he look at that? But they've got a pretty good recruiting class coming in. Maryland is an interesting one to me. Um, They lose Tchaikovsky and Nickens. Now, who knows what those sophomores do uh, coming back with Jackson coming off injury, but they add a five-star and two four-stars. So I think they could be pretty interesting. IU, to me, it, it hinges... Uh, very much on Juwan Morgan, um, quite on, and and obviously Romeo. I mean, those are the two, you know, big swing pieces. If if neither of them ends up here, I think you start to see some good things built from a foundational standpoint with that freshman class next year. But you're going to be re- relying on them a whole lot uh, in the absence of some grad transfers and things like that. So a little bit tough to say. I mean, I certainly think IU could could improve itself, but I think you know. Langford, obviously the big one people talking about, but I think Juwan Morgan, I mean, you see what he means to the team when he's off the floor this year. If he if he would opt to 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 go in the draft, we would all obviously wish him the best and root for him, but that would have a pretty uh pretty distinct impact on the team and how it would fare next year. Yeah. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we talk about the potential of Zach McRoberts earning a scholarship. We had a question about Tom Crean and why he can maybe struggle as a coach would be such a good announcer. We'll hit that and more in our next segment. Stick with us. You are listening to the assembly call go to assemblycall.com slash join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter if you want to get more out of being an iu basketball fan then you need to be on our newsletter list because you will get our weekly six banner sunday news roundups as well as our post game analysis emails that are sent the morning after every iu game it is all free and it will make you a smarter iu basketball fan again the url is assemblycall.com slash join I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my usual co-host on the Assembly Call IU post-game show. And this week, we're going through some of the topics that you sent us, some, some burning questions that you had that you wanted us to address. Uh, Jake in our Slack community, and by the way, if you're on Slack and you want to join our IU basketball Slack community, just shoot me an email, jared at assemblycall.com. Uh, but Jake has, says, you know, naturally, we'd all love to land Romeo. Obviously, it's funny. A lot of the questions this week were like, we all want to get Romeo. But it's like everybody's kind of, you know, trying to get their contingency plans in order uh, just to, uh, you know, to not be too disappointed if it doesn't go uh, if it doesn't go our way. But he says, if that doesn't happen, thoughts on giving McBob one of the two free scholarships and finding a grad transfer point guard. Leafs three for 2019, where Archie seems to be doing well, also gives better class balance. So here's what I would say about that. I certainly think that Indiana needs to look for a grad transfer guard. I mean, you know, if you don't get Romeo, you have to. I don't think you can enter next year with only Robert Finnessy, Devontae Green, and Al Durham as your guard. You've got to have something more than that. But I think the question about McRoberts is interesting. He's now a guy who's played at least 30 minutes in four straight games. He is, without question, one of Indiana's three best players. And while most nights Jawan Morgan is the clear number one, there are some nights McRoberts is number two on that list. And I don't think anybody would have expected that. So to me, I don't see how there's any way that Zach McRoberts isn't a scholarship player next year unless he doesn't want the scholarship. You know, Unless he's just like, hey, my brother's got that NBA money. I don't need the scholarship. Use it some other way. But I think he he absolutely should have the opportunity and should be a scholarship player because he's earned it. And if you don't, I just don't know. I mean, not only would that not be fair, I just don't know what kind of message that sends that this guy that's getting all these minutes isn't going to be on scholarship. So we'll see what happens there. I have no you know idea what will happen, but it was certainly good to hear, Andy, as you mentioned, that McRoberts will be coming back. He will be graduating, but he will be coming back next year because he's become such an important uh, player on the team. Your thoughts on that, Andy? 
Yeah, I think, you know, certainly nobody's going to bat an eye if, if they offer him that scholarship. And to your point, I think the important thing there is he's earned it. I think the, and it would only be for one year. That's the other thing. Yeah, I think the I think the the what I liked about the question was really about the balance between classes. You know, what we have this year is, you know, five seniors. Um, and then, you know, next year, you, you know, Morgan is the only junior on scholarship. So you can't really well, you obviously need a big recruiting class. And I think in anybody's first year, they're going to have that. You can't put yourself in a position where you don't have a lot of things to offer year in and year out and you have this huge roster bubble and so i think anything that would help balance that out a little bit uh i think the point about the 2019 guys is interesting as well um and the whole grad transfer thing i think becomes important as well because to, to what you said i think they need somebody i think there would be you know potential options out there that, that could help with that scenario and rebalance that a little bit so i think the balance between the classes is probably the biggest reason for me to do that um and gives Archie, you know, a lot more flexibility going forward as opposed to, hey, I've only got one or two to offer in a given year. I think if you get yourself to a point where you got roughly the same year in and year out, I think you end up in a better spot. Ryan? Yeah, I think that everybody's in favor of, of Zach getting that scholarship. But, you know, it, again, you've got if you're Archie, you've got to consider roster construction. You've got to consider balance and you've got to consider, you know, obviously you want to get Romeo and you also might want to bank a scholarship uh, as far as the grad transfer goes. I think that that makes sense, but you know, a regular transfer I, I would move against because you're still building and you want to maybe bank that scholarship to the next year. Um, you know, you don't have to fill all the scholarship spots this year and you also may have transfers. So um, we don't really know what's going to happen, but yeah, if you have an open scholarship, I, I think Zach McRoberts has certainly earned it. Um, but as you said, it may be a situation where sometimes guys, whose, you know, families do well and, and our walk-ons don't want that scholarship. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I think I think just as a, not even from a money perspective, but from a respect perspective, he at least deserves the offer at some point. Yes. Um, yeah, if, if he has, if, no question. If he, if he has the, uh, you know, if that comes up. And not just like if XYZ things work out and we happen to have it. Like, I think it needs to be a priority to get him a scholarship if he wants one. I just think he's earned it. I just think you would lose some credibility for what you're really trying to build if a guy that does everything you ask isn't rewarded in that way. So anyway, that's that's my push. I think we're all generally in agreement there. I think all IU fans are generally in agreement there. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. So here's another interesting one. This is from East Coast Hoosier on Slack who said that there was a Reddit thread apparently that said, Indiana fans, please explain to me how Tom Crean seems to catch so much flack for not knowing the game of basketball, yet he's a freaking genius in the broadcast booth. So there's a few things here. You know, number one, certainly Tom Crean caught some flack for his struggles at times as a coach. But no one would say that Tom Crean was not a good basketball coach. Tom Crean is a good, potentially very good basketball coach. Is he one of the elite coaches in the country? I don't think that we think that. I don't think that we think he was the best fit long-term at Indiana. But the guy won two Big Ten titles. The guy developed players very well. He knows the game and is a good coach. What's interesting, I think, is that you, know, you listen to him talk about basketball and intellectually, he knows and understands the game, I think, as well as anybody you'll hear talk about it. And with good reason. He's a sponge, a voracious reader, a voracious learner, a, you know, a hard worker. We know all of that. But the question for He learned coach, from Tom Izzo. 
Yeah, and but the question for a coach is not what you know and maybe what can you articulate to an audience, but what can you get your players to do on the court? And that is a huge difference. And sometimes that doesn't translate. And so, you know, I'll have to defer to you guys on how he's doing as an analyst because I haven't watched any of the games that he's done. But, you know, seeing, hearing him on podcast, you know, seeing him do NBA draft stuff, I'm not at all surprised that people are lauding him for that. But I just think that's the difference there. And I think when you watched his teams play, you watched players improve individually and players really improve their skills but you sometimes wondered about players' understanding of the bigger picture concepts of basketball and their ability to kind of function as a team, especially when you didn't have that one you know, player like a Yogi Ferrell who could orchestrate it and take over when it needed, that needed to happen. So to me, that was the struggle that Tom Crean faced, um, and that has nothing to do with his intellectual understanding of the game, but more his ability to, you know, to lead a group of guys through a full season and through some tough times, and his ability to transfer his knowledge into something that his players can turn into action on the court. Yeah, I th- first of all, I would say to you, Jared, if you haven't listened to him do a game, you should go out of your way to do it because it is really interesting. Um, you know, considering the guy was a coach here for so long, um, it's interesting seeing him in another world. And quite frankly, I'm happy for Coach Green that he has found, you know, something he's I mean, he's very good at it. And and it sort of reminds me of the Tony Romo in football thing where he calls out what's going to happen because he just knows basketball. And look, you're right. Knowing basketball isn't enough. A lot of these coaches could be this good and and i think and and tom was always a guy who was a uh, you know a basketball nerd where he just he watched basketball constantly even when it wasn't his teams you know he watched basketball he studied players and you could tell that from his you know when he did the draft stuff and and would analyze these players getting picked and um so i think that it, it anybody who didn't expect him to be a good analyst was clearly not paying attention. He's he's a great fit for that. I think he'll be coaching again soon. I think he's likable. I think that people will get, you know, attached to him and and I hope he finds the right spot for him. But at the same time you're right. The difference between knowing basketball and being able to translate into getting players to do what you want is is, you know, there's a vast gulf there. And and you look at Thad Mata's last few years since we've been talking about Ohio State. You look at his last few years at Ohio State. He could not get the team to do what he wanted to do. Sometimes the voice gets stale. Sometimes as a coach you run out of tricks in your bag to get guys to focus. And sometimes and, and, you might recruit bad fits. Like what exactly. happened to Mata. And, and and that is exactly what happened to Mata. And and also I think that he got burnt out. If you saw him in his last few years, he looked so worn down by it. Um, and there are you know rumors of some physical stuff going on there as well too. Uh, but so I mean, it has a lot of it. Being a great coach isn't just about your basketball acumen. It's also about your assistants. It's about you know your development staff. It's about all of that stuff coinciding and it's about the players you pick to play for you i mean do you make the right decision so there's so much that goes into being a good coach and that's why there's so few of them because it's just there's so few guys that knock it out of the park consistently and you know there's some guys who come in and have runs where they're great and there's some guys who are just there all the time and that's because a lot goes into being a great coach like you know an elite next level coach and as a program like like indiana yeah yes of course jared (laughs) But as a, you know, as a program like Indiana, you've constantly got to be looking for that next guy and not a guy who's just good enough. You know, you've got to be looking for that next guy. And clearly they think Archie Miller was that next guy. Which, and Dane Fife might have been that next guy, too, to be fair. 
We'll get into that one someday. <laughs> just Andy poking the bear at this point. <laughs> yes. Yep. Been Andy. a fun night, fellas. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out. <laughs> Jared just softly whispering Dean Spanos into the mic just to try to see if Ryan will snap. <laughs> Andy, any I, final thoughts on this one? No words. <laughs> no, I, I think Crean's been good. I think his passion comes through, and I think that always came through even when he was at IU. And I think what you guys said, you know, the knowledge of the game and the ability to scout and all that is part of the equation of what makes a successful basketball coach. And um, there are a number of guys who can do uh, the motivational stuff and not be good exes and those guys and have the same kind of struggles that Crean may have had and, and all that. So I think it's just part the of the same package, time. But- at the same time, there are guys who are great at X's nose, but can't trans, but can't reach kids and can't, yeah. you know, get players and can't uh, get kids to do what they want. I mean, you know, there, there, there are guys who can do each of those things and not together. And you'll see them have fits of success, but long-term sustained success are the guys who can do it all. Yep. Yeah. But I don't think anybody, to your point, Jared, would insinuate that Tom Green doesn't know basketball. I mean, I think that would be silly for anybody to say that wasn't why he, that wasn't why he wasn't successful as as everybody wanted him to be at IU and that wasn't ultimately the reason that he got fired yep absolutely all right in our final segment we look ahead to this game on Saturday against Michigan State what kind of chances Indiana has here to pull off the upset we'll talk about that and a little bit more in our final segment stick with us You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips wrapping up another week of talking Indiana basketball. One final question here real quick that we'll address before we talk a little Indiana-Michigan State. Uh, what do you think Archie's biggest emphasis this offseason will be? And we've already hit that some in this show. I mean, I think, uh, Ryan, we understand shooting is going to be a big emphasis. But I do think it's important to remember that because this question was actually prefaced with, you know, the defense has improved, the turnovers have improved. I think it's important to remember that you know, those things are still going to be emphasized. And defense especially, uh, I mean, we know that Indiana isn't anywhere close to being where they need to be from a pack line perspective. And there are, you know, they're kind of doing some of the standard stuff, but there's more advanced principles to put in as they get better. So even though, yes, Indiana needs to get better from a shooting perspective, uh, there's going to be plenty of defensive work and defensive focus as well. Maybe it's not 75-25 like what Archie talked about, you know, it was kind of this offseason leading into it. Uh, but it's important to remember, you, you know, you don't want it to just be whack-a-mole where you think like, okay, we've got the defense down. Now let's focus all on shooting, but then the defensive problems pop up. So there will be a balance um, no matter what the emphasis is. Yeah, I think it's got to be shooting, though. I think that's if that's the one thing you've got to single out. I mean, they have to shoot the ball better. they got to make free throws. they got to be able to hit threes. And, you know, we see their two-point shooting percentage at times has been outstanding. Okay. Now let's work on the other stuff, but I mean, you still have to influence the other stuff or still have to emphasize, I'm sorry, not influence, emphasize the other stuff um, and make sure it's being, you know, focused on as well. And you're right. The defense is always going to be a big thing with Archie. Yep. All right, Andy, we got a couple minutes left here. Let's turn our attention to Indiana, Michigan state this weekend. The Spartans obviously obliterated Indiana the last time uh, we played them. They were, you know, coming off some poor performances, had a long layoff. We expected them to come out sharp. They did and jumped on Indiana early. What are some reasons besides the game being at home that Indiana might look to, to say, Hey, we've got some legitimate hope for this result to be much more competitive uh, than that last one was up in East Lansing. I mean, I think if you look at the last few games that they've had, I mean, they've let 
they've well they've fallen behind you know by double digits in the last two games to to Maryland uh, on the road and and then um, you know Penn State at home uh, on Wednesday. Now they did come back and win both those games by you know six and eight points. Even Wisconsin uh, at the at the Breslin Center, they you know Wisconsin was within six, I think about halfway through the second half, and Wisconsin has been playing really poorly lately. So I think they've shown a propensity to kind of let teams uh, let teams hang around and. Um, you know, their, their turnover issues, they're still, you know, almost last in the big 10 in, in turnover percentage, uh, offensively, they don't force a lot of turnovers. So again, when you think about, you know, things that have been issues for IU this year, um, you know, turn the ball over has been one. They don't really do that a great deal. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe that's a way that IU can get some easy baskets cause it's not easy to score against them, uh, by any means. They also have the lowest, uh, Oh no! I thought it was the lowest uh, defensive free throw rate, so I thought that would keep IU off the line, which would have been good. But they're only fourth there. Okay, so. but they are 244th in the country in free throw defense, so they are not defending free throw <laughs> shots well. So maybe that will help Indiana uh, shoot well from the line. Yeah, I always, always love that stat. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. But an important game for them from an NCAA tournament perspective, though. I will say, I mean, their seed is is kind of weird. I think people would expect them to be projected a little bit higher, but. You know, they've got seven games left. They play five of them on the road, but they only play one team, which is Purdue in the top 80 of Ken Palm the rest of the way. Most of them are in the in the 90s uh, of the teams they have. So not a lot of chances to improve their resume, a lot more chances to potentially hurt it, which, you know, at this point, I use in a position to play spoiler more than anything else. Yeah, and I mean, I think Indiana has played Michigan State pretty well at home in recent years. Obviously, you know, last year that was not a Michigan State team as as good as this year's team is, but Indiana won that game, and we've been pretty successful against them at home. And so if Indiana can come out with the same kind of effort and intensity and focus that they had in that Purdue game, they can certainly make this a more competitive game, hopefully a 40-minute game, and We'll take our chances. Hopefully we make some shots and we'll see what happens. All right, that'll do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording, or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We really appreciate you being here. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep The Assembly Call going and to keep growing. And we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support so that if you do want to support the show, there are a number of options and we encourage you to choose whichever one is most convenient. On that page, you will find ways to donate, including how to set up a monthly recurring donation or annual recurring donation, as many folks have, or you can submit a one-time donation. Again, that is assemblycall.com slash support. Or you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop, and we will get a commission if you use that URL and make a purchase. Alrighty, thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for your support. We'll talk to you next time. Go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. 
Real estate agents have the power to adjust their client's approval letter amount in real time using Rocket Pro Insight. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.